Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss and reflect on faith and philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social issues. We want to engage ideas on what it means to be a free human being in the pursuit of human flourishing. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. going on everybody welcome to the humanity matters one-on-one discussion i am your host dr philip fletcher where we discuss faith and philosophy nonprofit leadership and social issues we want to engage with ideas on what it means to flourish as a free human being in our society and so as always you can connect with me in a variety of ways whether it's on twitter facebook on YouTube, go over there and subscribe, and also my website, philipfletcher.org, philipfletcher.org. Remember, that's two L's spelled the right way. Hey, coming up this coming Friday, we resume our rap, hip hop, and freedom as we look at different uh, rappers across the decades uh, since the origin of rap back in the late 70s, and we look at uh, some of those tracks and how they engage with ideas regarding classical liberalism as well as libertarianism. Found some great things coming from Bastiat and from Mises in regards to J. Cole and Public Enemy and Ice Cube. So if you miss any of those, you can find those as well over at the YouTube channel as well as over at my podcast, Humanity Matters Podcast. So wherever you get your content, anchor.fm or Spotify or Google Play or wherever you like to get your podcast to work out to, uh, to take walks to, or maybe just do some uh, work around the house, please subscribe and leave a review of the Humanity Matters uh, podcast. Appreciate y'all very much. Today, we have got uh, a very, uh, what I like to call a very powerful woman, uh, a queen over on social media, especially on Twitter is where I discovered her. Uh, Miss Denise Lee. Denise, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Philip. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Yes, I'm glad that you are here. So, Denise, tell us about yourself, what you do, uh, family, your business interests, so on and so forth. Oh, boy, I know I can't spend all day, so we're going to have the Reader's Digest version here, okay? Okay. (laughs) So, you know, as Philip mentioned, you can find... My name is Denise Lee, but I'm also known for those of you who know me on Twitter as Queen Free Market, where I just talk all things free market, entrepreneurship, business. But really, it's all the mindset of entrepreneurship, independence, liberty, freedom. So I talk guns and free market and economics and kind of hosh posh. But it's really an extension of who I really am. I... I am a business coach for careers and consultants and my mission, like my mission is to help people just to feel unapologetic of the right to sell and to promote and liberty and freedom. And all of that's just kind of wrapped up in my persona. So I, I call myself queen free market, not that I'm a queen, but I definitely am an advocate of people just going for their goals and not feeling like constrained by the government or really by anyone in general. Hey, that's great. So I love entrepreneurship. 
I love to see people start things. I love to see people take uh, an idea and take something and make take nothing and create something out of it, a goods or a service. So give us a definition of entrepreneurship. When I think about entrepreneurship, Philip, I, I, I think about the ability to monetize an idea and a thought that is in demand in the market. For example, I, I just want to give the example of just a common yeah. like commodity, like for example, my earrings, right? Do I need earrings? No, I don't freaking need earrings. But I desire the desire to express myself in a unique and creative way. The designer of these earrings said earrings was able to create a product that yeah. allowed me to depart with my money in exchange for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? So why is entrepreneurship important in our society? I mean... Uh, we're going to get into some government type stuff uh, later on in the interview. But uh, why is a person, you know, identifying a, a need to provide a service? Why is that important uh, to our society or even just to an individual? Well, let's think about it on a really bundle core level, right? <laughs> Entrepreneurship, small business owners actually provide at least 60 percent of our workforce. Right. They are the lifeblood. They, they provide jobs. They provide resources. They provide training. They are the first ones boots on the ground who are supporting in terms of crisis. I think about um, when Hurricane Rita, um, Hurricane Katrina back in 2005, who was really providing the most immediate resources? It was small businesses because they were on the ground. They knew exactly what the community needed and they paid. And they paid it forward. So when you just think about it from a community investment perspective, right, providing jobs, providing resources, being providing support, that is why we as a community we help one another because we understand one another's needs. Mm, that's good. That's real good. Um, yeah. So that's huge to be able to uh, an entrepreneur to understand the needs of his or her particular community you know, neighborhood, so city, so on and so forth. Um, and that's different than a top-down approach than what government thinks that they know what's best for everybody. Um, whereas an entrepreneur sees something specific and can adapt to his area, you know, from top-down, they just think a one-size-fits-all goes, and it's just not the case. Um. So you're a coach. At least I try to be. <laughs> Whether or not you accept my advice or not, is a completely different issue, right? <laughs> <laughs> so in your, your experience, uh, what have you discovered? What are those fundamental things an individual needs to function as an entrepreneur? You have to be able, first and foremost, to be survive as an entrepreneur is the ability to take those licks and keep at it because as an entrepreneur like everybody talks about risk right but the reality is with great risk comes great reward because we as entrepreneurs you know we are stepping in and creating something new that no one else has thought about or no one has thought about doing it in a different way right yeah. 
So that comes that creativity because of risk, because we're not just risking, obviously, our capital, our money. We're risking our reputation on the line. We're risking our self-esteem on the line. So to be able to take those licks, meaning to be able to just withstand the ups and downs and the emotional turmoil by putting something out on the market and having no certainty whether or not will people will get it or not. I hope everybody can feel Denise's energy right now. I see uh, you got a lot of passion uh, regarding entrepreneurship and and coaching. Um, how did, what led you into being an entrepreneur? You know, I was told like forever I should be an entrepreneur. Like even, I remember, like even when I was seven years old, like hustling with my friends to like just sell some uh, potted plants uh, for ten dollars when I bought it at one dollar. Like I always was talking about profit and margin, even from the from the jump, you know. And but I was so conditioned from schooling and everything like that to say like, oh no, we get the job, you know. And then when you retire, you take your skill set. And life didn't do me those the way I wanted to. I've always been a hustler. I've always been someone who just was looking at things from a different angle. You know, it should have been a tip off that all my boyfriends growing up were drug dealers. Cause I wanted to be in the hustle, Philip. I wanted to be in the game, but I was so afraid of doing it myself. That's a whole, that's a whole interview all on its own. <laughs> I want. Yeah, I, I mean, people. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everybody knows me. Like they really think that it's like some kind of act as Queen Free Market on Twitter. Like I'm just, you know, just being audacious. Like this is really me. Yeah. This is not filtered at all. Oh, you you you're savage on Twitter. I I, <laughs> I admit they're they're you you engage in a way that is uh that's powerful. That's very forthright and very literal little filter um it, it, it's something and ain't nobody got time for filter philip no no no, no 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 but you know you do it in such a way i feel like we're going to grab a trail that's okay you do it in such a way where i don't you don't you're not disrespecting anybody you just you own yourself um you're communicating who you are and what you believe and you stand by it and sometimes you use humor uh, you throw facts, obviously, out there, but you know, I be looking for your stuff, and sometimes I just, I just be laughing, and and like she's just telling it like it is. But but the but the hustle, yeah, I completely agree with you. That to start something, um, you have to really be on that hustle, and you have to be creative, and you know, take those licks, which we called it, and keep moving forward. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to love it. You have to freaking love it. I think about, you know, this, this the, the lion, the lion in the jungle. He's not the smartest. He's not the fastest, you know, but he's in it because he freaking loves the game. Yeah. He loves the process of going for it. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's the life of an entrepreneur, the grind yeah. of it. Yeah, you're right. So describe to us your coaching strategy. So person wants to gain those critical skills to succeed as an entrepreneur, just not to give away your whole product or anything like that, but how do you, um, cause you're on that hustle, but you know, you're talking to somebody and, and you want them to ultimately be a client today. Um, what's your approach with people? So, you know, you remember you said earlier, Phil, like I'm loving the fact that you're not insulting, right? You're just speaking your truth. You're just matter of fact about it, right? 
So my mm-hmm. like my process, my three step process is first of all understand who you are, right? What you're good at, right? And owning that space completely, and not apologizing for that. I'm not apologizing for it at all. And then obviously communicating back with the audience and understanding their needs because we we can't sell in a vacuum, right, Philip? We can't just be right. like, here, here's something for sale. I don't know if you want it. Right. <laughs> but here it is, right? Yeah. So we communicate. And then we sell with psychology, persuasion, and consistency. So that's yeah. my three-part formula. And I've got courses. I've got one-on-one program. That's all my flavor. But if I had to just summarize it, that's how all of what I do in essence. Okay. One of the things I saw you say on Twitter uh, was, you know, according and you know, summarizing, one of the goals, it was a video actually you did, is not to sell, but to influence. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? The role of the entrepreneur is not primarily to sell, but to but to influence. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, I talk about this all the time. Like, I'm not trying to get you to buy my stuff necessarily. I'm trying to get you to believe that what I have to say matters Mm -hmm. and what I have to say is going to impact your life. So if you understand that what I can say is impacting your life is important, right? Maybe, perhaps, what I have to offer is just as powerful, if not more, than what the initial kind of like things that I have to say. So influence is all about giving people to shift their mind from what they see to what is potentially better for them and their life and their family and their business or whatever they're trying to attain. I want to connect your work as an entrepreneur and as a coach to the idea of the free market. Now you are a free fierce advocate of the free market. So I want you just to like give your why, how you arrive at that, um, and just inform our audience regarding the free market and why it's important to you. Well, without going through my entire resume, I, I spent about uh, roughly almost 10 years working for the federal government, first as a contractor and then as an employee. And during that time, I saw live boots on the ground, waste, mismanagement abuse, uh, misappropriation of resources. And I felt really helpless as a federal employee because I realized that it wasn't so much about us delivering services for the public. It was us trying to validate our existence. And so when you're actually in that environment, when you're actually seeing the reality of how over-glutted bureaucracy works, you don't feel like you're even part of the solution. You're actually contributing to the problem. So when I think about the free market, what in essence I'm saying is a completely deregulated kind of Adam Smith invisible hand where then everybody doesn't really know exactly how everything fits, but somehow we all can provide each other the resources and skills to help function as a community. No, obviously I can go on talking about it, but no, when keep I, going. <laughs> well, I think, and I think one of the um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today is um, so unless you're blind, like me and Denise are black male, black female, and the free market is not something you commonly hear the term used, if you will. 
in the quote unquote black community, whatever that means, quote unquote. Right. Uh, now, you mentioned in your previous life and persons that you dated, um, you can make the argument they were heavily engaged in the free market um, to make things happen, to get their income for whatever reason they were doing it. And I think there are more men and women like us who actually believe in that. They just don't have a term to put to it. And to, to hear when I saw you on Twitter, going back to Twitter again, and I saw your handle about being the queen free market, I said, huh, I have to hit that follow right here because it's I almost want to say it's like a unicorn. I mean, for me, it really is. It's like finding a a unicorn or a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, so, and you talk about deregulation. How does how does having a deregulated market actually help the entrepreneur? I'll give you an example that is actually occurring now in New York City. So, okay. in order for you to become a hairstylist, specifically a hair braider, right? You have to be certified by the state. Right. This, I mean, sorry, the, the city of New York. And that means you have to go through only a certain amount of, 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 of places that are accredited. And then on top of that, you have to pay certain licensing fees and all that stuff. And imagine, you know, you've been hair braiding like in Minneapolis or Detroit for 20 plus mm -hmm. years. Right. And if you're not even familiar with the system. Right. And somebody catches you, you know, braiding hair in the Bronx or Queens or whatever. You can't even continue to support your family, and your friends, because there's so much bureaucracy, there's so much overhead. All you try to do is provide a service for your community and feed your family. Yeah. And so yeah. when we take all that level of bureaucracy and let people help the community directly, right, and let people experience the consequences, like let's say that person braids your hair too tightly and you mess up, well, word's going to spread that you're a bad hairdresser. So you either right. fix it or you go out of business. One of the yeah. two is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's odd. You know, you're talking about hair braiding. That's just something that happens in households, right? It's just something that happens in households. I mean, I've got daughters and I know the discussions, hey, who braided your hair? And, you know, you go over to the house or they come over to your house and, you know, it's an all day affair to me, it seems like. Um, and, you know, part of that then, too, is like community building that's happening. Uh, relationships are forming. It's kind of like being in the barber shop. Uh, that's why I equate it to. So then for the government to come in and be like, we know what's best and how to braid hair. We're like, we've been doing this for generations. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know nothing about it. And you know, also, this is what I, I have to say is because it's all in my mind. Usually is the people who are the most disconnected from our culture try and regulate us and regulate how we do our work, right? You'll have some middle-aged white woman Karen, so I put some manual about how braids should be done, how how clean, and she has never stepped her a foot in a hair braid salon. Right, right. This it's 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 uh, it, it makes no sense. And trying to and we're, this goes into the next question. Um, just some who are your influences are regarding the free market, and you know when you mentioned. The, the New York situation in hair braiding, um, you know, I think about uh, Walter Williams. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of the first books someone gave me was uh, his book on uh, race and discrimination and talking about the minimum wage and uh, regulations 
that were actually pricing out black men and women uh, from the market. So who's yeah. some of your influences? I know you mentioned Adam Smith. Who else has influenced you? Well, you, you actually mentioned too, Walter Williams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what my gateway to the, to the free market was actually um, <clears throat> the Freedom to Choose, Freedom to Choose series um, by Milton Freedom, Friedman. I remember, I'll never freaking forget it. I remember I was okay. debating with my husband about something about the market. He was like, all I want you to do is go on YouTube and just watch that. Okay. And then I learned about Thomas Sowell, right? Okay. And then I was like, oh, snap. Like, then I heard about the Mices, and then those were about Murray Rothbard. And then I was like, wow, like, there's so much depth here. Yeah. Free to choose. Yes. I, um, somebody had given me that podcast link, right? And, um, I said, okay. I was familiar with Williams and Soul. And uh, that's where I learned about, okay, so here's this Milton Friedman guy. And um, I'm a gym enthusiast. So during my workouts, that's what I'd be listening to. Most people listen to music. I'm listening to political discussion, uh, economic discussions. And, Marcus feelings. Uh, yeah. Marcus <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yes, this is good. Like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, those. I, I I hope that more people would get find exposure to uh, those writers and what they have to offer. Um, you know, because pretty much we have like well a Keynesian approach in America. You know, even like with COVID nineteen, um, you know, all the money that uh, the federal government has put out there, it's crazy. And um, it's a short term, short term influx of money, not thinking about the long term consequences of it. And that's one of the things I learned about Keynesianism. It takes that kind of approach. Um, so COVID-19, right? Where are you seeing op opportunities for entrepreneurs? You know, I was just reading uh, the other day, uh, Philip, that uh Amazon, Netflix, some of these streaming services like Disney, they're actually losing subscribers. People are starting to come more out. People are mm. escaping hibernation. And uh -huh. this is the time and the era for our brick and mortar to shine, but in a new and a different way. Okay. I'm specifically, and I'm only just going to sit here and park my little happy hips on the uh, hairstylist. Beauty, okay. all that stuff for a second, because I think it's just really important to talk about it. Yeah, one do of the that. things that, because uh, I don't know why, uh, one of the things that people have been really dying to do is to enhance their their well being, their personal beauty, like all that stuff. Like, right? so I'm seeing a surge of uh, estheticians, beauticians, those who support chemical services that provide shampoos and stuff like that. I see a lot of people moving in the era of personal hygiene, personal care, and more concerned about like as using as an extension of their well-being. 